I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The Pentagon has announced it is sending 3,000 more troops to Afghanistan, a move that I think caught a lot of people by surprise uh, because we had been rapidly withdrawing U.S. forces from the country. We want to know what's really going on. What's the strategy? Is this the right strategy? World Trade Center Utah President and CEO Miles Hansen's here to help us break it all down. Miles, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Boyd. Good to be on again. And before we jump into Afghanistan, I do want to congratulate World Trade Center Utah. I know it's your 15th anniversary. Hard to believe it's been 15 years, uh, but that's yeah. a great organization doing a lot of great things uh, for the state of Utah. Boyd, I appreciate that. We are, we're celebrating our 15-year anniversary. The world has changed a lot in the 15 years since we were set up. But I'll tell you, if there was ever a time when Utah was poised to go out and to help our companies compete and win around the world, it's now as we uh, you know, continue in this, this, this economy that is coming back so strong after the problems last year. And so we've had a great 15 years, and we're excited for, uh, for another 15 and well beyond that of going out there and helping Utah companies compete and win in markets around the world. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's go around the world in uh, an area that you have uh, some experience and understanding of in a very unique way. Uh, this announcement by the Pentagon, 3,000 additional troops going into Afghanistan that seems to be very focused on the, the airport uh, and the embassy. Uh, tell us your thoughts. One, just your initial reaction when you heard that uh, and then what you think is happening in terms of strategy moving forward. You know, Boyd, as, as I heard those news, right, the, the, the focus has been, you know, reducing our combat role in Afghanistan now for, for, for more than many months, for years, even going back to the Trump administration. But the signal now that there have to be 3,000 troops going back in is a great indicator that this transition that has been underway now for a few months is, is not going uh, well. And there, frankly, wasn't a strategy in place on how to manage an orderly transition at the end of the U.S. combat role. And it's been so frustrating over the past few days and the past few weeks and even the past couple of months to see how the administration is so hyper-focused on ending the U.S. combat role. Like that's one objective. It should be one objective of part of a broader strategy. But at the end of the day, it seems like that was the only objective that was being thought about. And because of that, we see things falling apart and, and, and not having troops going out, but more troops going back in. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's so fascinating. Yeah, and I think you you really nailed it in terms of the the fact that it was a singular focus in terms of ending, uh, as opposed to transitioning and making sure things were set up for at least the best possible transition. Uh, because the the messages seem to be mixed uh, out of the White House. That on one hand uh, they you know knew they knew a lot of this was going to happen, and they were surprised. <laughs> that it was all happening and happening so fast. And is that because the, the the focus was on such a singular strategy of ending this? Yeah, there, there seems to just be the, the, this focus on ending the U.S. combat role. And, Boyd, we've been talking about this for months. And if you go back 
you know, four or five months ago, we talked about how my opinion is that after 20 years and $2 trillion, uh, the, this end of a combat role in Afghanistan seemed to make a lot of sense. But it had to be done in a way that would protect Afghans that have sided with us that we have a moral obligation uh, to, to protect and to watch over. And also in a way that would set the Afghan government uh, up to have the best chances of succeeding, even as we ended our combat role. And any of the combat role, let's be clear, that's, that was talking about taking out 2,500 troops. Uh, but we still would have opportunities to do covert operations, to provide intelligence support to the Afghan government, to lean into our humanitarian and military aid for Afghanistan, and also using our diplomatic cap to try to get our Gulf partners and other partners in the region to invest more in Afghanistan so there wouldn't be a power vacuum that the Taliban could take advantage of. But instead of putting together a strategy that could accomplish, you know, these three primary objectives, the administration has just been focused on getting out. And the attitude has been Afghanistan, not my problem. Well, I'm sorry, but but it's going to become a bigger problem if we don't have a sophisticated strategy go out there and to try to manage a process that is going to lead to good outcomes, uh, first and foremost, for American interests, but also for the interests of the Afghan government and, and our partners in the region that are now uh, grappling with the consequences of this power vacuum that we created. And frankly, this is just one example. We left Bagram Air Base, one of the biggest air bases the United States has anywhere in the world. We left it in the dead of night. And our Afghan partners didn't know we were leaving at that point in time. That is not how you manage a smooth transition. Yeah. Uh, and again, it goes back to the, the strategy that you just laid out. And you have to have that complete strategy if you're going to be effective and, and move it all forward. Uh, I will note, in case you didn't uh, have this in your uh, in your phone as an alert today, it is National Blame Someone Else Day today. The first Friday, the 13th <laughs> of the year is National Blame Someone Else. And the administration seems to be pointing fingers and placing blame. And on one hand, trying to put the positive spin on this. On the other, there's really some obvious concern. I want to play uh, for you, Miles, just a, a little bit of sound uh, from our friends at ABC and Andy Fields uh, talking about some of the things that uh, the State Department has instructed the Americans to do inside the embassy. And uh, just have you give us some perspective on that. Take a listen. The internal documents obtained by ABC News telling Kabul American embassy workers to destroy agency logos, flags, paper, and electronic records in order to reduce the sensitive material they might leave behind. They are using special burn bins and compactors. The State Department saying that is standard procedure, but just this week that same department insisted they were only removing some personnel. So they're trying to balance this. Uh, this is not an evacuation. Uh, this is not a... Uh, turn tail and run at the same time we're uh, hearing that they're giving these instructions to destroy all kinds of documents uh, you've seen the behind the scenes what what are all those messages mean you know boy it makes me think back to when i worked at, at u.s embassies in the middle east you know we would practice if, if 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 we had to get out of there quick you know how do you very quickly destroy those things that you would never want to fall uh into the hands of our, our enemies and fortunately for me, I never had to do the real thing. It was just practice. But now that we're doing that for real, that is a serious indicator that there are concerns about the ability to maintain our embassy there in Kabul. And it's good that they're taking these proactive steps to, to be positioned to go. But again, it just underscores the fact that the situation is spinning out of control. And, and it, Boyd, it makes me think back earlier this year, you and I had an extended conversation with H.R. McMaster, and we talked a lot about strategy and strategic narcissism, and you had him on your podcast. I'd encourage anybody to go find that podcast and listen to it because H.R. McMaster talked about strategies and the different elements of how to develop sound strategies. 
And what we've seen uh, over the past several months is a great case study of how to not do strategy right. And now we're seeing the consequences of when you make big significant decisions outside of having a, a real comprehensive strategy in place to try to achieve specific objectives instead of what seems to be the singular focus of the Biden administration, which is uh, picking up and going home at all costs. Yeah. Uh, so finally, Miles, before I let you run, uh, if you were in the White House today, if you're advising the president in terms of that strategy, what are the what are the first couple of things that the administration should be thinking about in terms of a, a more positive, more effective strategy as it relates to Afghanistan? You know, Boyd, I was back in Washington a few weeks ago and, and talked with some senior level officials as well as uh, partners, uh, ambassadors and others from, from other countries. And right now, I think it's clear that we have a very uh, significant problem in Afghanistan. And as bad as that is for the United States, it's worse for many of our partners in the region. Mm. I know that they are eager for leadership. They're eager to find ways to plug in and support. Um, they can help fill gaps that, that maybe we don't want to fill ourselves, but it takes engagement. And so my advice would be, to reach out to our partners in the region, very quickly get people around a table, try to identify in the short term what needs to happen, and then rally support around uh, providing the resources in order to try to stop this this, this tidal wave uh, of, of Taliban uh, forces that isn't sweeping over the country because uh, it, this was not inevitable. Uh, the, the choice was not between handing Afghanistan to the Taliban or ending our combat role. There was uh, many other options that could have been uh, played out with smart strategy and smart engagement. And so the situation is a lot worse now than if this had happened three or four months ago, but it's not too late to, to work with our partners to try to protect and advance our interests and fulfill our moral obligations to the Afghans decided with us as they grapple with this crisis in their country. Yeah. Great insight as always, World Trade Center, Utah, President and CEO Miles Hansen. Uh, congratulations on the 15th anniversary there. And thank you for helping us break down where we are and what needs to come next in this critical area in Afghanistan. We're going to step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, it's been 40 years since Ronald Reagan signed into law historic tax cuts what does it meant what does it mean next what are the lessons to be learned stay with us we'll break it all down coming up next two years ago americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the kabul airport she was tear gassed and beaten images of thousands desperate to escape taliban oppression filled our news feeds more than 80,000 afghans made it to america but the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.